Jesus told his disciples of the necessity of praying always and never losing heart or growing weary. The poet T.S. Eliot put it this way, you, you are not here to verify, not here to instruct yourself or inform curiosity or carry report. You're here to kneel. And here we are to kneel, to pray. And our pray and prayer always should and must eventually lead to some kind of change and some kind of action. A brand new way of living. Because all prayer seeks the same thing. All prayer seeks union. Union with God. Union with our fellow human beings. Union with the stranger. Union with the enemy. And, and I think ultimately union with our own disenfranchised selves. Because sometimes we become our own worst enemy. We are here to pray, and our prayer is to lead us into action. And of course, what was the great action that Jesus sought, and what was the great prayer that Jesus prayed? Oh, Father, this is my prayer, that all may be one, as you are with me and I am with you. But the truth is, and we know the truth, we're not one. Our divisions that we face are legion. They are uh, political divisions and economic divisions and social divisions and, and sadly and truly religious divisions. And those are the ones that I, I wish to address today echoing the words of our Holy Father Francis. St. Paul tells us, don't think that you're fighting flesh and blood. You're not, your neighbor is not your enemy. And the person of a different political position or religious position is not your enemy. What you're fighting is powers and principalities. And Jesus says the powers and principalities, they're inside. They're inside and they're inside all of us. They are the powers of anger and judgment and hatred and accusation and greed and possession and dominance. Those are the powers and principalities that we are to do battle with and pay against. And so today we find Moses symbolically doing battle with the powers and principalities. And as long as his arms are up with his staff and he is praying, the victory is his. In the, in the gospel, Jesus is telling us not to lose heart, even when it seems like our prayer is taking a long time to be answered. See, all prayer, all prayer is, is seeking a resolution Seeking a reconciliation, the, the widow in today's gospel is seeking some kind of justice, a resolution, some kind of a settling of the dust so that she can get on with her life. All prayer is trying to bring us in some way peace and unity. And, uh, uh, but our present situation, as I stated, is not that. It's division anger, polarity. Earlier this month, on October the 11th, our Holy Father Francis addressed a full St. Peter's Basilica with laity and clergy, and, and he was celebrating an anniversary. It was the day that we celebrate John the 23rd's sainthood, but it was also the day that the Ecumenical Vatican II Council opened up 60 years ago. 
And of course, we, especially us, we know what an incredible change that caused. It turned everything on its head. Uh, I dare say that the, the council uh, is the biggest change in the church in at least 100 years, and it's still being implemented. I can remember when the council was going on in, 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 in the early 60s, and they would say, it's going to take 50, 60, 70 years to really fully implement, to really get what the documents of the council were writing about. And of course, we know that, that this was the first council that wasn't called an ecumenical council, a worldwide council, a council of all of the powers that be in the church at the time in order to answer a heresy. All the others ended with anathema sit, let those heretics be damned. This council was so radically different. And it was radically different because of the pope who called them, John the Twenty-Third, this great lover of humanity. Oh, when you go out, he told the fathers from his window, hug and kiss your children when you go home to them tonight. Open the windows, he said, and let in some fresh air. Aggiornamento. Not that we are out now to condemn the world, but to enter into the world, to become relevant in the world, to, to, to learn and to teach. And so we've got these wonderful constitutions on the church and, and wonderful radical changes that, that change the whole face of the church. Uh, and I think one of the, the most powerful was, was this sense of our ecclesiology and who we are as a church. Of course, we knew when we were little kids, we knew what the church was. Pope at the top, cardinals underneath them. Underneath the cardinals were the bishops. Underneath the bishops were the priests. Underneath the priests were the, the, the religious. Underneath the religious were the laity. <laughs> Whoever they were. And all they had to do was show up, you know. Pray, pay, and obey. That's it. And, and, and it was a whole, but it was, it, it was changing the whole thing. Everything was changing. There's a Cardinal Cushing used to tell the story of a man who was sitting in the back of the church picking his nose, and, and the Cardinal says, what are you doing back here? He says, you know, when I was a young man, I was sitting in the church picking my nose. He says, and then, 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 then this nun came up to me, and, and he, she said, you shouldn't do that. Say a rosary while they're, while they're saying the Mass if you don't understand what's going on. And he says, well, I was saying my rosary, and then this young Monsignor came up, and he says, what are you doing that for? He's saying it in Latin. Follow along in the book. You can follow along in the book in the English while he's saying it in the Latin. So I followed along in the book. He said, and then, then this young whippersnapper, young priest came after the council, and he says, stand up, sit down, turn around, say yes or no. He says, he says what are you doing? He says, I'm back to picking my nose. <laughs> Everything changed. Everything changed. And, and, and it was a radical change. And of course, we know for every action, there is a reaction. And we are dealing with that reaction today. And of course, the most radical change was what? What we're doing right now. now the liturgy. It's, I think, the one that probably has affected us on an, a day-to-day -day and daily basis. Because the goal of the reform of the liturgy was full and active participation. So that the people of God, because the, because the ecclesiology went from the pyramid to the circle, with Jesus in the center of the circle, 
so that we can now all be one together. That was the, the great goal so that, so that you did not go to Mass. You participated in Mass. We did the wedding yesterday, and I said to them, there will be no spectators at this wedding, only participants. Of course, you know that all too well. And what enabled us to participate? Well, of course, the first and most obvious change was the change of language and putting it into the vernacular where you could actually understand what the priest was saying. You know, prior to that, it was very easy to say your rosary or make your mind wander, and our, our minds still wander all the time. I always have to smile when little kids say, Father, I'm, you're saying Mass and my mind is wandering. It says, forget it, I'm saying Mass and my mind is wandering for crying out loud. <laughs> but then you come back to it. At least it's in a language that you can understand. And, 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 and then we had, we had communion in the hand. And I was talking to some of the people at the other parishes today about communion in the hand. I said, you know, Jesus gave communion in the hand to the disciples. And, 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 and my hunch is it's much easier to, uh, to sin with your tongue than it is with your hand. I don't see where the tongue is holier than the hand. And, 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 and of course, I think the major change and it was major because here is the sanctuary there is those people and never the twain shall meet it was an architectural change and we got rid of the communion rail what did the communion rail say this is the sanctuary this is the holy of holy that's where the outsiders are you may come up to the rail but no further you may not come into the sanctuary i can still remember my my third or fourth grade ccd teacher one of the school sisters of saint francis saying you know i'm afraid girls you're not allowed in that sanctuary ever only the boys are only the altar boys and the priest are allowed inside the sanctuary she says however if, if, if you're willing to come here on Saturdays, you can help us clean the sanctuary together. Well, what did the council do? It tore down that wall. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And we're still building walls. And we're still tearing them down. And why? What's the goal? Communion. Union. I, I had to smile and I never followed the directive when they changed the new translation and they told that the laity had to stay off to the side until the priest received communion. Baloney. Get here where you belong. Union, communion. Uh, beautiful, incredible, wonderful changes. And, 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 and there is something that we gained tremendously by the changes in the church, by the first, by the Second Vatican Council. And premier among them is a sense of imminence, closeness, one with the Lord, wall breaking down. But with every change, there is something lost. And I, I must admit, there really was something lost with the change. I, I can remember, I, I became interested in the priesthood because I was enamored by the smells and the bells. 
And when you walked into church, you knew you were on sacred grounds. Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. This was the holy of holies. This was the sacred place. I never became an altar service till I was a junior or a senior in high school, but I, what I really wanted to do was get so close to where the action was in that holy of holies that I can still remember Father Lynch, our old pastor at St. Michael's, going, Hawk, S, And I was in absolute awe of what was going on because this bread now is the body of Christ. Uh, Rudolf Otto the, the, the great uh, historian and theologian called it the, the idea of the holy, the mysterium tremendum ifachinosem. Fascinating. You can't take your eyes off of it, and yet you better keep your distance because you cannot get that close to the divine. And so there's this incredible trade-off. Now, for every action... There's a reaction. That's a law of physics, and it's a pretty, pretty hard law. And, and, and Hegel uh, turned it into a, a pretty good philosophy of how the world moves forward. And, of course, we remember the Hegelian dialectic that says there is, there is a thesis, there is something, then there's an antithesis. It's the reaction to the thesis. And out of the antithesis comes a new synthesis. Well, we had a thesis, and the thesis was the writing of the, of the council. It was, in, in many ways, it was a new synthesis of what had gone before. And the thesis says that you are the people of God, and the thesis says that you are welcome in church, and the thesis says that we are going to listen to the modern world, and we are also going to teach the modern world, and we are not going to be afraid. We're going to go out and be among the people of God, because that's the whole new sense of who you are, the people of God. That's the thesis for every action. There's a reaction. And the reaction was swift. We remember Archbishop Lefebvre, who says, that's not true, that's heresy. We will therefore only say Mass in Latin, and where do they find themselves? Outside of communion, outside of the church. And that went on for a long, long time. And then in an effort to bring people together. This is very interesting. Uh, Pope Benedict XVI says, okay, there, there's all kinds, if we got room for all kinds of different rites in the church, maybe we should have some more room for those who, who really want to enter into this mysterium tremendum, and, and, and if that helps them to pray and brings us together as a church, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. And so he allowed the Tridentine, the old Tridentine Latin Mass, to, to take place and to, to come about. The, 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 the sad thing about it is his goal was union. What it produced, because it backfired, was division. And we see, and that division has grown steadily, you know, between the Cardinal Burks of the world and the, and the, and the Cardinal Tsupiches of the world and one side and the other side. Between those who say, we're the real Catholics. We genuflect before we receive communion. We, we, and, and of course, what they don't understand is that, is that they're calling attention to themselves. It's, it's still, I'm, I'm the superior, I'm the real. 
And so we've got this tremendous tension and pain. What's Francis trying to do? And this is what he was doing on the 11th of October. Create a new synthesis. And so he, he spoke to this full house. And, and these are so some of the words that he said. I'm going to quote a little bit at length because I really think it's really important for us to hear what Francis is calling us on the left and us on the right to hear. He says, how often in the wake of the council did our Christians prefer to choose sides in the church, not realizing that they were breaking their mother's heart? Only Francis could say that. You're breaking your mother's heart. What causes a mother more pain than anything else in the world when when her children are fighting with each other, when her siblings are fighting, and the siblings are fighting something fierce right now? You're breaking your mother's heart. How many times did, did they prefer to cheer on their own party rather than being servants of all, to be progressive or conservative rather than being brothers and sisters, uh, to be on the right or the left rather than being with Jesus, to present themselves as the guardians of truth or the pioneers of innovation rather than seeing themselves as humble humble and grateful children of Holy Mother, our church. That is not how the Lord wants us to be. We are his sheep. We are his flock. We can only be together together as one. And we know that the council opened a lot of windows, but it, 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 it can go off the rails and go become very loosey-goosey, and then all of a sudden we become so worldly that, well, Francis goes on to counsel us against that, against this worldliness. Francis says, let's be careful. Both progressivism in the, in the, in the uh, lineup, in, uh, in, in that we line up behind the world, and traditionalism that longs for bygone worlds are not evidence of love, but of infidelity. He then goes on to speak to the priests and the bishops that are in the congregation that day. He says, you are not here to shepherd yourselves. You're here to shepherd others, all others, all others, and to do it with love. And and if it is fitting to show particular concern for those who God loves best, the poor and the outcast, the church is meant to be as Pope John the Twenty-Third put it, the church of all and particularly the church of the poor. What this really is, is not just a prayer, but a call to action. Now what's the action that our prayer is calling us to do? You know, we preach a lot of homilies. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, that's nice, that's really good, Father, Father, we really like that, yeah. But nothing changes. Nothing changes. We, we go back and we're right back where we started again with our same old prejudices. The, the, the truth is that we cannot think ourselves into a new way of living. We need to live ourselves into a new way of thinking. 
So we're called to, to act, to, to try this, try this. Um, stop judging the other as inferior or dumb or a redneck or a elite and see them as one of yours. Sit down with that brother-in-law of yours that you now refuse to speak to. See them as fellow members of the body of the church and the body of Christ, which they truly are. Try this. Go here. Change sides. I said at the churches that I was celebrating the Mass earlier, I says, next week, sit in a different pew. It's a whole new church. <laughs> Sit somewhere else. And we are so caught in our ruts that we can't even believe that. I said, I said, you leave from a different entrance that you normally came into. You're going to meet people you've never seen before. You didn't even know were members of this church. Yet try some, change sides once in a while. Move outside your comfort zone. Make new friends with people of different races, different classes. If you're gonna visit a foreign country, skip the tourist visa and spend some time in the local neighborhoods. Go to jail or to the border, help with the food pantry. Go to the literacy center, welcome refugees. If there was ever a time we needed to actively get involved and welcome refugees, it's now. They're being shipped in from Texas and they're coming to Chicago it's now this is our prayer but our prayer needs to lead to action this is our prayer oh father that all may be one as you are in me and I am in you